Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Chairman's Office at the Special Olympics. And in that role, he works closely with the Chairman on executive leadership of the organization and is head of Special Olympics interaction with governments in the United States and around the world. Uh, He has a background in federal service, and community building here in Washington, D.C. From 1990 to 2010, Sean served in U.S. Senator Kent Conrad's office, eventually becoming the Senator's senior advisor. And later he served as legislative director for Congressman Brian Baird, functioning as the lead policy analyst and advisor to the Congressman. And just before his time with Special Olympics, he was personal assistant to Daniel Snyder, owner of the Washington Redskins NFL Football Club, now the commanders, and lead director of the Redskins executive office. Sean, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Well, great. Uh, Thank you, Shane. It's a real honor to be with you. Uh, I appreciate uh, the introduction, and I'm uh, really excited to uh, dig into your questions, and uh, hopefully I can add some uh, uh, interesting uh, stories or value to uh, the listeners. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you again. Uh, Sean, you've had a fascinating career in federal service and at nationally recognized uh, organizations. We talked about the Redskins, now Commanders, and Special Olympics. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what led you to where you are today? Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you for the question. I I have a good friend of mine who works with Special Olympics, uh, who similarly grew up in a rural part of Michigan. Uh, I grew up in a rural part of North Dakota on a farm, uh, went to the University of North Dakota, and often, like, like my friend uh, that works with Special Olympics, we go... How did we end up here? This is this is uh, for you know uh, country uh, folk, as you'd say back home, uh, where we've ended up has been pretty amazing. And and I I am very thankful for the opportunities I've had. As as you mentioned, I've had some interesting uh, stops along the way. I uh, started out working for uh, now retired U.S. Senator Ken Conrad. Uh, working in his uh, local office in in Fargo, North Dakota, uh, doing you know constituent service work. Uh, you know, somebody would have a problem with their VA uh, benefits or Social Security, or uh, you know something wasn't going right with uh, the USDA and their farm. Uh, digging into that, going to community meetings, uh, trying to fix problems uh, with them, and I, I was doing that for a number of years. Really enjoyed that work, uh, especially my work with veterans. Uh, very, very uh, rewarding and fulfilling, helping veterans uh, receive their VA benefits that maybe they hadn't gotten because of records of mismanagement or something. Uh, and uh, I think it was about five years in, the senator said, hey, would you ever want to come to Washington? And 
and and do some uh, veterans policy work in addition to economic development, uh, small business, and transportation. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I was, you know, I think I was in my late twenties at that point. Uh, so I, I made the move, and 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 each time along the way, uh, when I started with the senator, I I had gotten my education degree. I thought, yeah, I'll do this for a year or two, and probably go back to teach, and you know, it'd be a good experience for me. And 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 same when I came to Washington, I'll do this a couple two three years, probably head back home to North Dakota and figure out something to do, uh, not in politics. And while here I am, I think it's eighteen years later, I'm I'm still in still in Washington, uh, obviously no longer uh, working in the. Senate uh, or in Congress, but uh, now with Special Olympics, and uh, it's just been uh, really interesting and, and fulfilling uh, time. Uh, I, again, I feel blessed at what I've been able to do. Uh, I was in the, as I said, I worked in the Senate here in Washington uh, with Senator Conrad uh, for a number of years, uh, did uh, transportation, veterans education, or a little bit of education policy uh uh economic development uh very interesting um was around during um interesting times like the start of the affordable care act uh negotiations uh some of the uh, my uh senator was a, a chairman of the budget committee uh, so that was always interesting times when we're trying to put together the federal budget. And I had a little bit of a role in that and, um, you know, then moved over to the House uh, and was legislative director for uh, Congressman Baird, uh, and, and who retired from office and uh, uh, a year later. Uh, very interesting going from the Senate to the House. Uh, I remember uh, a friend, a colleague uh, that was already in the House. I said, well, you know, I'm going going over there. Don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, the Senate and the House are, are different. And she said, well, you know, it's louder. Uh, it's more busy, uh, boisterous, but it's also more fun. And I, I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll see. And, and, and I will say there, there was some truth to that. You know, the, the House, you know, staffs are smaller, more interaction with the member, uh, other members that, you, you know, you don't necessarily work for. Uh, and it, and it, it, was, it was a very neat and fun experience. And um, uh, it was an interesting time then um, uh, bringing, uh, we were referring to it as bringing the ship into dock as uh, Congressman Baird was retiring and, you know, uh, making sure that we got some of his legacy uh, um, priorities done and, and, you know, making sure that, uh, his records were taken care of and whatnot. So that, that was quite interesting. And, um, yeah, it's it, you know, and then I, you know, as, as I mentioned, went, went to, uh, work for the Washington commanders, uh, then the Redskins, uh, worked in, in, uh, Mr. Snyder's office, um, was an interesting uh, time of my career, um, uh, going from the, from government then to, a very well-known professional sports organization was was um, it, it was a good change of pace, and I I I, I will say I really learned a lot uh, there in in the private sector and in professional sports, and you know you get to see and do some neat things when you're when you're uh, working for an NFL team, uh, but you know I it, it, inside of me I I always felt like um, you know it's great, very fun, interesting. Uh, but I always felt like when I worked in, you know, federal service, working in the Senate and the House, that I was doing something that mattered. Uh, not that the NFL doesn't matter, but uh, I felt like, you know, it's great. It's an entertainment. It's fun. But I, I want to do something that impacts, you know, my fellow citizens. And 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 now at Special Olympics, not fellow citizens, but global citizens. Um, so I was I was happy to uh, uh, then move 
over to Special Olympics International and, and started working uh, for Timothy Shriver, the chairman of our organization, whose mother, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, uh, started Special Olympics in 1968 um, and uh, really started the movement prior to that um, in the years that her brother, uh, President Kennedy, was in office uh, with something called Camp Shriver. Uh, which was in their backyard up in Maryland, Potomac, Maryland, where dozens uh, of children uh, with intellectual disabilities would come and swim and play and uh, take part in sports and ride horses and and whatnot. And and you know that humble beginning by you know one woman, you know, turned into what we are are uh, doing here today, which is uh, fascinating on so many fronts and and has now become enormous. You know, we're at 195 countries. Uh, six to seven million athletes prior to COVID. We've had a drop off because of COVID, but building back to our seven million athletes, hopefully, and and well beyond is is our goal. So, um, so I'm I'm glad, even though no longer working in in the government or federal service, I feel like this is uh, equally as rewarding um, as and, and in some ways more re rewarding, to be perfectly honest, than than working in the Senate. Um, you get to have uh, be a small part of having an enormous impact on uh, lives of people that that, um, you know, are, are so worthy of of our support and our time and our efforts. Yeah, thank you. It really is an amazing background and, and that path is is interesting to see um you, you and i talked before and i mentioned that uh i have a, a special needs son uh he's in his 30s now and he's been participating in special olympics since he was very little and uh, it's it's really an eye-opening uh experience uh as a as a parent seeing this firsthand uh any special olympics event is unbelievably wonderful fulfilling not just for the athletes but also for all of us involved and i i can't say enough good things about uh, you and special olympics um it's really uh unbelievably important it's great work and everybody has a blast at these events so, so uh, about Special Olympics, what are some of the biggest lessons? And I think you touched on this a little bit, but if you have anything you want to add to, what are some of the biggest lessons that that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought well you know take a look at it and see, see you know throw send in my information, and lo and behold I I, I get hired, and um, I learn 
uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries, uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of I I you know often when he'll walk away I'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at Terrell like he he, he faces everything with optimism and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day but uh man you see it, it and 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 the inclusion and the at special olympics no one's excluded you know no, right. no one's excluded yeah. everyone is equal at special olympics it, and you know in a country that's quite divided on so many lines politically and uh, socially uh, economically race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot but you go to special olympics and everyone's involved everyone's welcome everyone's equal and I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. I, I, I love that. And, and that leads right into, um, well, to the to the next um question to ask you about so in your professional walk at legislatively um even at at a professional sports franchise and certainly at special olympics and and employers like like WEPA you know we think about this too but there's a theme throughout that which is building communities and 
it couldn't be more important and I think relevant today, um, even more so than perhaps when uh, you know we were we were younger. It, the feeling, the desire for community is only increasing, and that's a good thing. Um, what have you found that are key leadership traits that help foster that community? Yeah, I think that um, definitely uh, the leadership traits of our founder, Eunice Kennedy Schreiber, um, and our current chairman, uh, Timothy Schreiber. Um, uh, Mrs. Schreiber was, uh, is well known for founding the founding our organization and, and Tim has taken the organization and built it to, you know, the, what it is today, which is, you know, a global movement, well-known in uh, many countries. We're in 195 countries. And the thing I've learned that learned from, you know, I never met Mrs. Shriver. She was gone before I came here. Uh, but from people who work with her and just the stories about her and, and what I see in, in, uh, with Tim each day, uh, is is the determination and the grit and don't take no for an answer, uh, which was also something I learned earlier in my career from Senator Conrad, uh, representing a small rural state. And I remember him saying to me, you know, you'll, you'll hear no a lot, uh, but I need you to find the way to yes. And that is kind of followed along the way and especially here at Special Olympics. And, uh, you know, these athletes and our organization have heard no a lot. No, you can't be part of this club. No, you can't be on this in this swimming pool. You you can't be in this class. Um, and and this organization refuses to take no for an answer. Um, and and uh, that it's so important. And I think, you know, um, that's deeply rooted in, in in what we do in Special Olympics. Um, it, it, persistence, you know, persistence is so important that. Uh, that's especially important in, in what I do here with our government relations work here in the United States. And, and now we're growing our, our global government work. And, and I've said to a lot of people in our programs globally and in the states that are reaching out to state governments, you're going to hear no. Get ready to hear no. But you have to be persistent. You have to keep going back. And you have to tell the story of our athletes. And you have to put Special Olympics athletes front and center telling the story of how our organization that most people think is just a sports organization, and it's good, great. Uh, they don't always know the unified inclusive education models that we do with in partnership with the U.S. government in our schools. I think we're in over 8,000 schools uh, around the United States. Our inclusive health work, uh, where we do over 100,000 screenings per year for uh, athletes with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and, and I believe we are the largest provider of health services uh, for people with intellectual disabilities in the United States. A lot of people don't know about that. Um, and, and so we, we need to tell the story, uh, consistently tell the story that we are not just a sports organization. We do, we do these things that lead to uh, better lives for uh, our athletes and, and also uh, people with intellectual disabilities in general, even if they aren't uh, part of, of, of our Special Olympics programming. Um, and, and, uh, but you're going to hear no along the way, but if that story gets told by athletes, uh, it, it's going to move people. It moves people's opinions. Uh, and I've seen it myself when we go up to Capitol Hill, uh, for our Hill Day fly-in, uh, we have athletes lead the, lead the meetings, uh, tell their story, you know, often before Special Olympics, I, I was isolated. I didn't have friends. I didn't have a job. Uh, I was in no clubs. I maybe didn't even go to school. 
I became part of Special Olympics. I I, I have you know bowling on Tuesday. I have uh, bocce on Friday. Uh, Saturday we play soccer. Uh, I'm in th these four clubs. I have a job. I have an apartment. Uh, you know, I have friends, and you know that message. <laughs> when you're you're saying it to a member of Congress or you know we we were in Egypt recently meeting with President El Sisi and we had an athlete who told that story and you saw the smile on his face and and uh, uh, it, it, you know it's hard to hard to not uh, believe that this is important something that's helping our country and our world yeah <clears throat> really is really is um, I'm I'm personal I can give personal testimony to that uh, it it's a big deal. In David's uh, apartment, he has his medals across um, the wall. He wears Special Olympic shirts. He looks forward to the various uh, programs, and there are many of them. You know, snowshoeing, he, he loves that. We're in the D.C. metro area. Swimming is a big deal. I think I mentioned before we go to Towson's for the regional Special Olympics event. Everything is a big deal to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you're, Shane, you're, I wanted uh, to make, if you don't mind, I want to make one one quick point that uh, Tim always makes when he's having conversations. I think it's important to note, you know, a lot of people think that uh, they'll say to us, when is the next Special Olympics? What's well, probably happening today? Uh, people yeah. often think of the big, you know, the, the USA games that were in Orlando this year or next year will be in Berlin for the World Summer Games and two years after that in Torino. So people kind of think of us as, sometimes think of us as these big events. We do over 100,000 events a year uh, across the globe. So so we'll often say, when asked when's the next Special Olympics, it's, it's probably right now uh, going on uh, somewhere in the United States or across the globe. Um, and, and so uh, that's one thing that we always have to, we often have to say to uh, people to make them understand we are different than the Paralympics and, and the, the regular Olympics in that uh, we, we have competitions all the time. And like you said, here in the DC metro area, we have Special Olympics Washington, D.C. We have Special Olympics Maryland, Special Olympics Virginia. There are a, an abundance of opportunities just right here in, in our part of uh, of the U.S., but but everywhere, all throughout our country. And and uh, and and yeah, it's a, it, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. So who, um, when you think of leaders that have inspired you, um, does any do you have one or two that stand out that inspired you the most? I, I, I yeah. do. And if you don't mind, I have three and I'll okay. try, try, try to quickly yeah. go through it. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I've mentioned already my my first boss, Senator Ken Conrad of North Dakota. Um, I was with him almost 12 years. I you know started at a young age, you know, right out of college working for him and learned so much, not not just about the Senate and the U.S. government, uh, but also, I, I remember him saying things like, you know, at the end of the day, your word is what matters. That's what that's what matters in the U.S. Senate, that people believe they trust me when I say something, it, it's going to happen, uh, it, it, you know, and, and just, you know, how to interact with uh, people that disagree with you, uh, being dis uh, disagreeing without being disagreeable. Uh, uh, learned so much uh, from him about that and and how to be a professional working at, you know, you come out of college and, you know, you aren't really used to the, to you know, you 
putting on the suit and tie and sitting in meetings and whatnot. But, but you know, following his example was, uh, you know, so important to my professional development. Uh, my current uh, uh, boss, uh, Timothy Shriver, the chairman of Special Olympics International, uh, who has put his heart and soul into this organization for, I think he's been here over maybe 25 years since uh, he came in as his mother and father were, were um, phasing out of the organization and has taken what Mrs. Shriver started as a, at the time he took over, a relatively small organization and globalized it. Um, works constantly, <laughs> you know, never, and again, like his mother never gives up, you know, we hear no, and well, let's find a way to, to uh, get to yes, like, like my first employer would have said, um, you know, and, and, and you think of it, he doesn't have to do this, you know, they, he, he's from a, a family that's, that did quite well, and he could, you know, you know, kind of coast if he wanted to, to be honest, but uh, works harder than anyone I've ever known, and, and, uh, really you know and he's the one who who uh, made me see that we get more than we give working here he says it often and um and it has also been just a great mentor to me and and uh the, the third for third person uh, very important to me is um a special olympics athlete uh whose name is loretta claiborne uh who's uh, been in the special olympics movement for many many years there's actually even a a, a movie about her life uh, when she was born, uh, her mother was told, you know, that your your daughter has disabilities. You know, they used much harsher terms back then. Uh, the R word uh, would have been used, uh, you know, send her away, you know, kind of forget about her. And her mother said, no, I'm not going to send my daughter away. Um, and and uh, she kept her and, and, and forced her into school, basically. And uh, Loretta is on our board of directors now. Um, there, uh, she's run countless marathons. Uh, there's, you know, she's met with presidents, uh, popes, uh, kings, uh, you name it. There's photos of her, and 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 you can you can look her up on uh, Wikipedia or online. Uh, but but the beauty of, of Loretta, and she's beautiful in so many ways, um, is in our board meetings, um, and she's a very active participant of our board meetings. Um, she will always be the one that says something where it's like, of course, of course, she's, you know, the, you know, she'll, she, you know, you know, you get people on a board talking and, you know, oh my gosh, you know, we've got all these high ideas and, you know, the, and whatnot. And, and Loretta will say, but, but actually, you know, and it, it, have you thought about this? And then everyone's like, oh yeah, right. Of course. So, uh, and, and I just, I always get the biggest kick out of that. And I just love it, you know, cause it's like, Here's Loretta, uh, you know, a woman who, when she was born, they said, you know, basically you know, throw her away. Uh, and she's been one of the most influential parts of this movement, uh, the Special Olympics movement uh, for, you know, I'm sure, I think 30 years now, 40 years. I, I guess she's, uh, she's in her 60s now, uh, lives in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a building named after her in York. I, uh, the York minor league baseball team did Loretta Claiborne bobblehead doll day a few years ago that a bunch of us went to. And, and you just think of what she was up against when she was born. And here she is, one of the global leaders of, of an international organization is well respected. And I, every time I see her, I'm just, uh, it just, I just, I just love her. I get in and I've learned so much from her in the time that I've been here. So how, how do we get 
how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? And also, what what would you like them to know? Maybe people who, uh, because people like like you know me, I, I I know a lot about it. We're already involved, but somebody that doesn't know much a lot a lot, of, a lot about Special Olympics, you've already talked a lot about it and given some great background. But what would you like them to know? Uh, yeah, I'll start first with what I'd like them to know, and and I've I've, I've said this many times, and, and I alluded to it a bit earlier. When I started with Special Olympics, and I'm, you know, I follow things, and I, I had heard of Special Olympics, and I remembered it. You know, I thought of it as, you know, uh, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, set up some cones out on the football field, and kids with disabilities would, you know, take part in things and get a medal or a ribbon, and thought that was good and nice and great and really important. Uh, but I did not know about the health work that we do uh, for screenings for uh, athletes that that don't get the healthcare they need and deserve. Otherwise, a lot of our a lot of our healthcare providers in the United States and around the world have very little training on how to uh, treat someone with autism or Down syndrome, and how to how to even just communicate. Uh, very little training there. So we Special Olympics has our whole health team that that does that. I didn't know that existed, and also our unified uh, schools programming. Uh, where kids with and without intellectual disabilities play together on teams. They're a part of leadership clubs, uh, whole school engagement events. I did not know those existed. And, um, you know, I, we're still uh, a sports organization. We're founded in sports. We're rooted in sports. But there is more to the organization outside of, of, of our, what you see out on the field. And um, ways to get involved, uh, tons of ways. So, Volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and and the thing that that, that uh, Tim Triver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be uh, it's not just school age it's it's uh, you know we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks. Uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together, uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to to create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. And uh, that is something that I, I, I take part in not as much as I would like to, uh, um, because as you know, I'm often uh, traveling around the world meeting with people in governments uh, globally. Uh, but here in, the, here in Washington, I was just looking on uh, our website for Special Olympics uh, District of Columbia. I see some unified bowling coming up in the next couple of days and a list of events, and they would be in any state you're in uh, throughout the United States and in Canada and globally uh, in a lot of places. Um, I think if, if, if um, 
you're not interested in being a coach or a, or a official or a, a volunteer play play with our athletes you know join a team and and i think uh that's just like i mean that's what we that's what we're trying to do we're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and 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 celebrate differences and that our athletes man are some of the grittiest people that you will meet and and uh and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is is how you'll learn it that that is wonderful uh, you know, the, the the concept of integration has been around for some time in the special needs community and, and it's uh it, it's an aspirational goal that's got that's had some success but what you're talking about is boots on the ground real success because yeah. that's how it happens that doesn't happen on a piece of paper it happens in real life mm -hmm. so um yeah thank you for doing that and sharing that really yeah. appreciate it well sean thank you very very much uh an inspiring um life and professional story you have the work that you're doing is so important i uh, really appreciate your time today uh, it's been my pleasure, and and I really hope that um, uh, folks that have heard our conversation uh, uh, check us out. At, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on on our website uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the the clicks of how to get involved and where what's closest to you. Uh, check us out, you know, and 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 join us. We'd love to have you. We we're doing great, and we're rebuilding post COVID, but there's always is more to do if Mrs. Shriver was on here. There's more to do. You know, we've we've done great, but we got to do more. Uh, and I'll, I'll pass that message on from her and from Tim, our chairman now. And and we'd love to bring you into bring anyone who wants to into our community, which is so much fun. As you said, it's fun. Uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll. Uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.